Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show. Thank you very much for hanging out with me. Now Monday morning in the East Coast and Central Time Zone. Week five in the books with the exception of Niners and Browns tonight. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Also, our toll-free line here at CBS Sports Radio is 855-212-4227. Brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more. On your car insurance. Crazy week five. Not as bad of a bloodbath for survivor pools as week four, but 20, 25% of picks got eliminated with the Chiefs losing on Sunday night football and the Bears losing to the Raiders in London. So very, very tough first five weeks of the NFL season for survivor picks. My guess is a lot of high scoring games in your fantasy leagues across the country. 200 points, no good here in daily fantasy in the big tournaments. Monster games from Will Fuller, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin again, Deshaun Watson, 400-plus yards, five touchdowns. Big weeks all around in the scoring output. Obviously, huge upsets in the games. I think we might have a coach firing or two. Jay Gruden and Dan Gwynn coming up as soon as tomorrow. Crazy stories all over the place. Cowboys regression with Dak Prescott throwing as many interceptions today against the Packers as he did in his first four games will be a massive story. And I got to say, where the league is going, they've got an officiating problem on its hands, and it's multifaceted. I don't want to, there was great football today, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but they made pass interference reviewable and coaches keep challenging pass interference and it never gets overturned, but roughing the passer isn't reviewable and those calls keep getting worse. It's a really awkward situation. And today Jason Garrett was flagged for throwing his challenge flag at the referee. But he didn't really throw it at the referee. He threw it on the ground at the referee's feet, and the referee got his feelings hurt because of something uh, Jason Garrett said. It's just there's ref shows breaking out all over the place. And because new rules keep getting created and there's different points of emphasis, one time it's uh, holding's a point of emphasis, and then that dials back. And then helmet to helmet's a point of emphasis, and then they dial that back. And they're doing all of this in season. It's just not consistent. And... We've got all of these broadcasts that have all of these refereeing experts on them. 
And I think Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino are great on Fox. I think Fox has the monopoly on that. But what keeps happening is Al Riveron and his crew back in New York is in charge of these replays, and a ref on the field calls one thing. Al in New York calls it something else. And then Mike Pereira is on TV disagreeing with the interpretation of the replay. So if replay was instituted to right egregious wrongs and quote unquote, get it right. But then I have trained officials disagreeing with the interpretation of the replay of other trained officials, then replay isn't getting it right. It's just confusing people. And it's taking away from your product and it's slowing down the game. I think we need to go backwards with replay. I think we need to get smaller and use it less frequently and scale things back. But that's just not how things work in sports. Everything is bigger, faster, more technology. And I honestly think that we would be better off as a sports consumer if we scaled back replay fairly significantly. I don't want to do the entire topic now, but you watch 10 hours of football every Sunday like I do half a dozen times. You've got professional referees disagreeing with each other after video review. It's nauseating. It's a bad product. If, if, if I'm getting confused and I'm not saying I'm the biggest football savant in the world, but let's just say I'm fairly educated on the matter. Watch it all the time. Read about it all the time. Talk to people about it all the time. Kind of my livelihood between, you know, August and February. If I'm confused at least once a Sunday because the refs are confused and disagreeing with each other, imagine what common fans are who just want to sit down and watch one game a Sunday. It's just not good for the product. But anyway, the product overall, really damn compelling. 855-212-4227. Looking for your top takeaways of week five. Ron in Houston is on the Danny Parkin show. What's up, Ron? Hey, how you doing, Dan? Good, man. Man, that's good. Hey, man, I'm a first-time caller, man. I love your show. I wanted to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson. 426 yards, five touchdowns. That was spectacular. I want your opinion about uh, whether or not you believe he'll be an Eli quarterback like Brady and Manning, Breeze, and, and the rest of the top quarterbacks in the league. I also want your opinion on uh, the Texans not signing Jadavian Clown. Okay, well, listen, I'll, I'll address the second thing first. I think that how Houston handled the Clowney situation and then the subsequent trades, I think Bill O'Brien, he seized a lot of power there because they didn't really have a general manager. And he was making trades for a coach who's trying to keep his job as opposed to a general manager whose job is to worry about this year's team, but also the next three teams. So I think Bill O'Brien made some serious win now moves. And I don't love that they don't have first round picks for the next couple of years because to your first point, Deshaun Watson is breathtaking. I've talked about Deshaun many times on this show. He was my favorite college football player ever. My wife went to Clemson. I literally watched every game of his in college. I thought he should have been the number one pick in the 2017 draft in front of Miles Garrett. Now, obviously, I didn't watch every game of Pat Mahomes and every game of Mitch Trubisky like I watched every game of Deshaun Watson, but I thought I honestly had a scout's eye 
on Deshaun Watson. I didn't think it was possible to know him as a football player better than I did. And I absolutely loved this game. I loved his character. Graduated early, takes care of his mom. Mom overcame cancer, homeless when he grew up, Warwick Dunn, Habitat for Humanity, gave Deshaun Watson a house, uh, volunteers, gives back to the community, unbelievably smart. Just, I, you mentioned Breeze, Brady, guys. I think Deshaun Watson's ceiling is to be Drew Breeze to Pat Mahomes's Tom Brady. And by that, I mean, Brady's obviously the most accomplished quarterback ever. It looks like Mahomes is going to be the most talented quarterback in the game for the next decade. He looks like he is going to shatter records and be the best player in football for a long, long time. So even while Brady was doing his thing, Breeze still got his. Obviously, Peyton got his. Rodgers got a little of his, right? He got a couple MVPs in a Super Bowl. It feels like Deshaun is going to get his in the sense of he's so unbelievably likable and fun to watch that I think he's going to become a lot of people's like hipster favorite quarterback that isn't the guy on their team, right? Like everyone will root for their quarterback and then marvel at Pat Mahomes. But if you get sick of Pat Mahomes being in every commercial and everyone fawning over him, you'll go to Deshaun Watson. Drew Brees won a Walter Payton Man of the Year award. My guess is Deshaun Watson does too. If if Deshaun Watson is Robin to Pat Mahomes' Batman for the next generation of quarterbacks in the NFL, I am the NFL is set up in great shape. My only concern with Deshaun Watson, he's already torn his ACL in both knees. The Texans' offensive line is a disaster. He gets hit a lot. They've got to protect him. You want him to move at a glacier's pace through his career. You want him to be here a while. You don't want him to be a comet, bright and breathtaking, but moving at the speed of light, and then you miss it because he's out of the league in six or seven years, and he's the next Andrew Luck. I think Deshaun Watson's ceiling is basically limitless. What was it Michael Jordan said? The ceiling is the roof. Deshaun's is the sky. He is an amazing football player. 855-212-4227. Taking your calls. Week five post game here on the Danny Parkins show. Tim in California is on CBS Sports Radio and Radio.com. What's up, Tim? How you doing, Danny? Good. Hey, I'm wondering what you think about the... uh... 49ers and Jimmy G, you know, earlier you said that the Patriots were the only uh, undefeated team left in the league, and not the conference, but the league. And in the, in the league, there's two undefeated teams. It was just. Yeah, that's true. Know. That's true. The not, I, you're, you're right. Uh, only five and O team is what I should have said um, t- in terms of teams that have played every week. That's, that's what I should have said. Uh, you're right. Niners have already had a bye. They're three and O. A very unimpressive 3-0 from where I sit. 
uh, winning in Tampa, whose defense is atrocious, and they hadn't figured out Bruce Arians' system yet. Winning in Cincy, defense is atrocious, whole team is atrocious. And then home against Pittsburgh, who has been one of the most disappointing teams in the league so far this year. Um, But I am really interested in Monday Night Football. Because I think Cleveland figured out that they should run their offense through Nick Chubb. And the Niners with Kyle Shanahan is still one of the most creative offensive minds and play callers in the entire league. I do like Jimmy G. I love George Kittle. Bosa looks like an absolute stud. Like I think that the Niners have the foundation of something that can be really good, but I don't think it's really good yet. You're right. That's, that's the feeling. It's a lot of excitement out here. What about their speed? And last year they wouldn't have won these games that they struggled in with all those turnovers against the Steelers. They still managed to pull it out. But this year they're finding a way to win those games when they're not playing their best. But what about their speed and their improvement? And what do you see their chances going into the playoffs? Or how deep might they go? What do you think? All right, man, I appreciate the call. I I will be very surprised if the Niners make the playoffs. I think that's too much too soon. Now, there's worst of first teams every year in the league, and they've started 3-0, and so it's possible. Um, I'd like to see a true number one receiver. Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel, like, whole heck of a lot of nothing. They've got a really crowded backfield. I love Tevin Coleman. I thought that was a great addition, but then he got hurt. So that Mostert kid has looked okay. Uh, he's averaging over five yards a carry, I believe. But Matt Breda's gotten the most carries there. Like The Niners, to just put it simply, I have to see more to really believe that they are deep enough to go through a division that, yeah, Seattle and the Rams maybe have more blemishes than they've had in the last couple of years, but they're still really good. I don't care that the Rams have lost a couple in a row here. That was a great Thursday night football game. I think both the Rams and Seattle are still better than the Niners, but you beat the Browns at home coming off the bye to get to four and oh, then it's, at the Rams, I would assume that's a loss. But then you're at Washington, home against Carolina, at Arizona. You could be, best case scenario, I would say 7-1. and one. It's not that tough of a schedule. They got lucky. I mean, it's they play, you know, you're going through this thing here and you're looking at it and you're saying, all right, they get the NFC South. That's not bad because it's last place schedule in the NFC. They get Washington. They already got Tampa. That's not bad. Then AFC North already got wins over Cincy and Pittsburgh. That's already really good. So maybe they're the team that wins 10 games. And we look back on it and say they had no good wins. It's possible. And then you're in contention for a wild card in a very competitive, convoluted NFC. But beat Cleveland. Beat Cleveland at home when you had an extra week to, to prepare. And I think that'll add a lot of legitimacy to what they're trying to do.
I got angry Bears fans on the line, and judging by my day job, afternoons two to six on the score, that should be fun. So we'll see if we need to talk Bears fans off the ledge coming up. Last but not least to end the show, it's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out on the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio radio.com sports. Week five in the books with the exception of Monday Night Football tonight between the Niners and the Browns. Christian McCaffrey balled out, as did Deshaun Watson. Another rough day for kickers. John Gruden gets a signature win as coach of the Raiders. Jay Gruden and Dan Quinn take another step out the door. Saints and Panthers improved to 3-0 apiece since their former MVP quarterbacks got hurt. The Cowboys regress to the mean. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers make their case to be the best team in the NFC. Mason Rudolph suffers the devastating injury of the day. The cart doesn't even work, and it happens in front of Ryan Shazier. Chilling moment for the Steelers quarterback. The Giants allowed the Vikings to get right, and Tom Brady makes a lot of business decisions out there. Those were my top takeaways from the day. Beyond, of course, watching every moment of Bears and Raiders. The Bears laying a colossal egg in London. We've got some angry Bears fans on the line. 855-212-4227 for anyone who doesn't know. I do afternoons on 670 The Score in Chicago. So later on today, I will be talking everything and anything Bears and Raiders. But Rich is in Phoenix and wants to weigh on a in on it now what's up rich you're on cbs sports radio hey danny uh you had mentioned earlier about how travel wasn't a factor uh what was it like why weren't they ready to play today like they didn't they just like just let jacobs right through the line and also uh i mean i think they got outplayed i think that rodney hudson is a great center and akeem hicks got hurt and the viking center is awful Paul Charchian is uh, from Minnesota, fantasy expert, comes on the show in Chicago every week, and he talked about how the Viking center is one of the worst uh, graded centers in football. So even when uh, Akeem Hicks was out last week, Eddie Goldman and Roy Robertson-Harris and Nick Williams were able to dominate at the point of attack against the Vikings. Rodney, uh, Rodney Hudson's the highest-paid center in the NFL, or at least he was when he signed his contract. So... It's just a different caliber of players. So going up against those backups for the Bears, they dominated in the A-gap. And the Bears just quite simply weren't ready to play. And Chase Daniel made horrible mistakes. So it was a combination of a lot of things. But I I don't believe it was travel. The Raiders looked ready to go, though. And what did they, they show up on after the game when they played Indianapolis last week? Yes, they went they were they spent the entire week in London. The Bears were there for, you know, 60 hours. And they did that based on that's what Andy Reid and the the Chiefs did. Uh when but, Matt Nagy was there, yeah, when the Chiefs beat the Lions in London, they went over Thursday night. All right. And one other thing, uh and by the way, most the teams Joker? do that. Cuz most teams are in the central time zone or the eastern time zone. They treat it like a normal week. The Raiders, you know, it would have it's a 11, 12 hour flight from the West Coast to get to London. It's a lot shorter, maybe 10, 11 hours. It's a lot shorter from the central time zone, eastern time zone. So that that's a factor in it, too. 
Yeah. I just wonder if you look back at all the games that have been played there and what all the teams have done and how they've done. I, I think that'd be a pretty interesting statistic. Yeah, I don't know the full details of it. I appreciate the telephone call. I know that what happened was that the Raiders last year got blown out by Seattle and they went over later in the week, so Gruden wanted to change it up. But most teams don't spend the entire week there, and there are examples on both sides. So I get it. Jet lag's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not. But so jet lag wore off by the second half. That's now the working theory. Jet lag caused the interceptions. Did it? That was Anthony Miller's drop. That was Akeem Hicks's injury. It didn't affect Allen Robinson, but it affected the other guys. Like I just, the team isn't going to make that excuse. Why do you make the excuse on their behalf? They just laid an egg. They were awful. Don't make excuses for guys who aren't making excuses for themselves. I just, I don't see the nobility in that. Dre is in Seattle, wants to talk bears. What's up, Dre? Hey, uh, first, Nagy uh, got out totally out coached today. John Cruz. Uh, uh, agreed. A terrific play caller. Uh, number two, I can't – and, Danny, you just nailed it on the head with you. Uh, I, I saw I saw Watson play in person in Clemson, which is one of the best places to watch a football game ever. Uh, I saw him beat Notre Dame uh, 2015, I want to say, in the rain. And I saw Watson this whole – not all the games, but a majority of games. Clemson was on national TV. And I just can't enjoy football watching Mahomes and, and Watson play and watch the uh, Bears play. I think the I, I just, uh, they're not going to win the division now. Green Bay is tough. Uh, I don't think they're going to make uh, – they might make the playoffs 9-7, and 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, I just don't have confidence in this organization. Uh, Matt Nagy's regressed. Trubisky's regressed. Uh, the defense, the offense is leaving them out there on the field too long. And it's just going to be excuse after excuse, but it just gotta, it goes down to not being able to get first down and move the ball on a specific basis where, you know, like the Russell Wilson, stay in the game, stay in the game, and then hopefully make a play. We don't have that ability. If the defense is not dominant like against Washington, I just don't get that. I, I don't. It's just, put faith in it ever ever seen a great offense from Chicago in my lifetime I just don't see that yeah man listen I uh I've been waiting for a great offense in Chicago in my lifetime too and I think that Bears fans you know no big deal you'll just be watching Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson own the league for the next 12 to 15 years and know that you traded up to take the wrong quarterback in the draft when both of them were there so not like that's going to be torturous or anything but their defense is Super Bowl caliber good. They are injured. And they'll be a tough out because of their defense. Now, the Packers look really good. And they already beat the Bears in Chicago. So they are seriously operating behind the eight ball in the NFC North. So this was a bad, bad, bad loss. You get the bye, and then you get the Saints. You can try to right the ship there. Obviously, it's going to take road division wins in order for the Bears to win the division 
and not have to rely on the wild card. But the reality is, no matter how good your defense is, in 2019, you need an offense that can step up and make plays. And the Bears' offense, outside of Allen Robinson, is atrocious. Their offensive line is terrible. Kyle Long is no longer playable. They traded up in the second round for Adam Shaheen and Anthony Miller. Useless. Taylor Gabriel hurt. Traded up in the third round for David Montgomery. Can't do anything behind a bad offensive line when teams are keying off for him. Tariq Cohen hasn't gotten going this year. Trey Burton has been a disaster of a free agent signing. Outside of Allen Robinson, who is playing at a legitimate number one receiver Pro Bowl level, he has been fantastic. Outside of Allen Robinson, the Bears have had no good players on offense. At least with any degree of consistency. You know, Taylor Gabriel had a great game, got hurt. David Montgomery's had nice moments. Cody Whitehair, the left guard, is a pretty good player. But for the most part, they've been an unmitigated disaster. We'll get to last but not least in a minute. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. Might have time for your calls in a little bit. After Hours with Amy Lawrence coming up. Week five in the books with the exception of Monday Night Football tonight. Always football dominant on these Sunday shows during the football season. So we will uh, go rapid fire here with my man Ryan Hickey asking the questions. He's the executive producer. Ryan, what's first? All right, Danny, touched on this a little bit earlier in the show, so we'll circle back as Kansas started their late night at the Fog, which is essentially a midnight madness for their basketball program last Friday night, headlined by a performance by Snoop Dogg that featured pole dancers, a money gun that shot dollar bills with his face on it, and all of this while Kansas is under five NCAA violation investigations. So this whole story, what's your favorite part of it? Listen, if this wasn't NFL season, I would have done an hour breaking down that Snoop Dogg performance. It was beautiful. My favorite part was all of it. But specifically, if I have to pick one thing, it was Jeff Long, the athletic director of Kansas... Who's, you know, whose job's been kind of tough recently, given that their beloved basketball program had those terrible allegations made by the NCAA, including directly on Bill Self. When he came out and said that it was ultimately his responsibility, he apologized to anybody who was offended. And it was his fault that he did not fully understand what, quote, acrobatic dancers, end quote, meant in today's entertainment environment that's a direct quote from a statement i did not fully understand what acrobatic dancers meant in today's entertainment climate who did he think snoop was gonna have out there in the form of acrobatic dancers tumblers they were pole dancing at midnight madness late night at the fuck It was incredible. It was hilarious. 
it was obviously harmless, but the optics aren't so good when you're supposed to be running the program all clean and such after all these allegations come down. Now, Snoop is affiliated with Adidas. Kansas is an Adidas school. Adidas hooks up and gets Snoop at KU. It's a big recruitment circle. The world goes round. I'll just say this. Bill Self has been rumored for NBA jobs for a long, long time. He is uh, an Oklahoma kid. He's been rumored to the Thunder. And he's been rumored to uh, replace Popovich because him and R.C. Buford with the Spurs are tight. It would not surprise me if Bill Self pulled a Pete Carroll. Coach this team. This team's very talented. Make a Final Four, hang a banner, win another Big 12, maybe a national championship. Sanctions come down. Suspensions come down. Thank you very much. I'm going to the league. That would not surprise me at all. He's accomplished everything he needs to accomplish at Kansas. These NCAA rules are a joke. And if I don't know what of that late night scene was calculated as a big middle finger to the NCAA and what was just circumstantial, but whatever was intentional, I love Kansas for it. And whatever was unintentional, I'm going to just pretend was intentional because anything that gets the uh, feathers ruffled over at the offices in Indianapolis for the NCAA, I'm a fan of. If you haven't seen it, watch the video, read the statements. It's downright hilarious. Rock Chuck Jayhawk. What's next? So the MLB playoffs are underway. Two games on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. Dodgers up 2-1 on the Nationals after blowing out Washington in Game 3. Braves come back on the Cardinals to go up 2-1 in that series. And on the other side, in the the AL, Astros and Yankees both up 2-0 in their respective series with a chance to close it out on Monday night. So who are you taking to win the playoffs? Man, listen, first of all, it, it feels like, oh, yeah, the baseball playoffs are on, given, you know, football season and that my Cubs aren't there. But when I've been watching, obviously the Yankees are doing their thing. But how the Astros can start Zach Grinky in game three of a playoff series by choice and it makes sense is just astounding. And you know it going in, Right. Verlander, Hall of Famer, Fountain of Youth. Garrett Cole, arguably best pitcher in baseball this year. Going to get a record-setting pitcher contract this offseason, or at least he should. Baseball offseasons have been weird the last two years. But Zach Grinke, top five in whip, is your third starter in a playoff series. I'm a gambler. I like looking at the lines for everything. Normally... You have an underdog in baseball at plus 260 on the money line, which means bet 10 bucks to win 26, bet 100 bucks to win 260, $260. Fairly significant underdog. Normally, that's like, you know, good first place team, last place team. That's, that's like Cubs Pirates or uh, Yankees Blue Jays is normally when you'll get a line like that. The Astros are so good that the the Rays 
were a plus 260 underdog. Houston a minus 300 favorite, meaning bet 300 to win 100. Three to one favorite in a playoff game. That is insane. The gap between the Astros and everyone else seems significant. So I'm not going to rewrite any sort of record books here. I'm not going to have the hottest take in the world. Obviously, home runs are a equalizer. The Yankees hit a ton of home runs. It's a, just a bandbox of a stadium, right, in Houston and Yankee Stadium. They could easily slug their way to the World Series. I'm not writing off the Yankees, but Verlander, Cole, Grinky, one, two, three. The depth of that lineup, the power, their defense, their playoff experience. Astros are the best team in the sport, and I don't think it's all that close. So I'll pick them to win it. What's next? All right, we'll finish up with this. The college football season approaching the halfway mark of the year. Has been many upsets to start the year for real. And preseason top six of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU has remained that, although rankings and the uh, order in which they are have been a little different. But the teams have stayed the same in the top six so far. So basically almost halfway through, any big takeaways you have on the college football season? Yeah, that it sucks. This college football season has been boring. Like you said, man, no upsets. The teams at the top, you know they're going to be there at the end. I know Ohio State fans are talking themselves into, hey, we could be the number one ranked team in the country. And Lincoln Riley is legitimately marvelous and impressive at Oklahoma. Enjoy that while it lasts. That is a ridiculously fun thing. LSU and Georgia are legit. SEC is dominant. Clearly the best conference again. Big Ten, it's the exact same thing every year. One good team that probably can't compete with the really good teams in the South. And then arrest a a bunch of programs that tell themselves they're really good because they have huge alumni bases and they make a ton of money and they fill big stadiums but are fraudulent on a national stage. Like, Like Michigan... There's no more fraudulent program in the country than Michigan. They have won national championship since 1948, the Wolverines. And I actually watched some of that Michigan-Iowa game. It was just pathetic. Clemson is sleepwalking through this season. Easily should have lost to North Carolina last week. But, you know, they're in wake-me-up-when-the-playoff-gets-here mode. It's just, it's been a boring season. Few good games, some great gambling moments. If you don't, if you're, you know, not caring about the playoff and you're, you know, just about Mac football, Pac-12 football, like there's good late night games, good degenerate opportunities like there is every year. But this has been a very, very, very boring college football season uh, for me anyway. And at the top, and there's just not been a ton of shakeup, not a ton of surprises. LSU's better than I thought. I'll give them some credit. Um, But, you know, not going to make any real noise or any real damage, I don't think. It's uh, Lincoln Riley's probably the coolest story. Ryan Day, that's right there, too. But once again, Bama and Clemson, I think, are clearly better than everyone else. Maybe that second tier is a little bit bigger now with Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU. Normally, it's just one or two teams that can talk themselves into it. This year, it's probably four or five. But I I love college football. 
I've loved college football for a long time and especially these last few years. But because I felt like we've been watching some serious dominance this year, the teams at the top seem to have a little bit of blemishes, but there's still a big gap. There've been no big upsets to reflect those blemishes. It's just been very blah. So I haven't really been into this college football season. Monday night football tonight, I think is interesting statement opportunity for both teams. Do the Browns get right and run their offense through Nick Chubb and take that show on the road and actually start living up to their potential? And can the Niners get their first quality win of the year? Beating the Browns would be a quality win, even though the Browns are a mere two and two. National TV answering the call, that'd be impressive. But Cleveland wins against the Jets and the Ravens, both on the road. They can salvage some sort of hope and optimism in a weird division right now, the AFC North, if they win this game. Because... All of a sudden, that division is just there for the taking again. Cincy awful. Pittsburgh awful. Baltimore tough, but Lamar Jackson trending in the wrong direction as teams keep figuring out and taking away some of his strengths and what they're going for. So, nice one today for Baltimore against Pittsburgh. But huge game for both teams. Statement game. Can the Niners get a legitimate win? Can Cleveland move into a tie for first place in the AFC North? So, honestly... You know, people will uh, downgrade that Monday night football matchup. Browns win. They're in first place. Niners win. They stay in first place. So first place on the line for both teams. Can't really argue with that as a Monday night football matchup. I'll take it. Thanks to Patrick Walker. He covers the Cowboys. Craig Hoffman. He covers the pro football team in D.C. My man, Ryan Hickey, is the executive producer. Peter Schwartz helped out. With the updates, Brian McKeon and Dave Edinger kept me on the air. My name is Danny Parkins. This is the Danny Parkins Show, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.